T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. I'm your host, Ryan Recker. And our friends in Canada are going to be joining us in about 25 minutes from now. The shift in chain is off the next couple of Sunday nights. John Jang is joining us, and he's one of the uh, hosts that are, I think, Friday night hosts, but he's also been doing some other uh, times like this. So he's uh, actually, I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with him. We've never had him on to do this crosstalk before, and it'll be pretty fun, I think. All right. So Joe Biden, President Biden, gave a interview with CBS ahead of the Super Bowl. And let's continue with that. And let me put it this way. I'm going to tell my team they're available, and I believe we'll use them. Look, it was one thing if we had enough vaccine, which we didn't. So we're pushing as hard as we can to get more vaccine manufactured. You're president of the United States, commander-in-chief. Can you do something in terms of going to Moderna, going to Pfizer, saying we need more production? Yes, I think, because we've already done it. But the idea that this can be done and we can get to herd immunity much before the end of next this summer is is very difficult. Let's turn to schools. Sure. All right, so can you just go to Moderna and ask them for more? Well, of course you can. I mean, why wouldn't you be able to? I think it's something that we've done before. And I, the way that he answers these things, they're very much like, okay, it doesn't give you any confidence he's going to be able to get anything done. Oh, gee willikers, I guess we'll give it a try. We'll give it the old college try. No, no real feeling that anything that he's going to be able to do has a degree of success with it, right? End of next this summer is is very difficult. Let's turn to schools. Sure. About twenty million American children have not been in the classroom for nearly a year. There's a mental health crisis happening. There really is. Women are dropping out of the workforce. Is this a national emergency? It is a national emergency. It generally is a national emergency. Do you think it's time for schools to reopen? Wait, I think it's time for schools to reopen. Did you say it's generally or genuinely? It generally is a national emergency. Do you think it's time for schools? I wonder if he said it's generally speaking. Generally speaking, yeah, that's kind of a tough thing. But that doesn't press it. You know, it, you can go back into asking all these things, but there's really we're just going to throw these like small questions out 
And if you just even say anything, we won't double check or second guess any of it. We'll just kind of uh, we'll just kind of go down the list like it's some questionnaire out the back of a Teen Vogue magazine. I think it's time for schools to reopen safely, safely. You have to have fewer people in the classroom. You have to have ventilation systems that have been reworked. Our CDC commissioner is going to be coming out with science-based judgment within, I think, as early as Wednesday as the layout, what the minimum requirements are. It's so hard with kids not being able to play sports now. Oh, my goodness. So it's gone. How many times has the field goal post been moved? Maybe if we're going to use football analogies for tonight, how many times does that have to happen? So now we're at the point where is the, so is he saying that this week the CDC is going to come out when we're in the middle of the impeachment trial, by the way, the CDC is going to come out and say, well, if you want to open up the schools based on our guidelines, you're going to have to rework your HVAC system. Wait a minute. You know what kind of expense we're talking about now? So are you essentially saying we need to pass another $500 billion stimulus just to give everyone a better HVAC system into public schools? What? Is that what's going to happen? I'm curious because that that hints towards that. But let's look at the schools that have been open and have they had any issues with it? And how about that we find the it's a small minimal risk that when you find the cases of covid that has been transmitted the amount that have been traced back to schools is minuscule compared to other things like personal gatherings are number one on the top same thing with restaurants are way down low transmission is down low there so we're talking about if you want to look at those numbers you would have a lot of confidence to be able to open back up and then again a lot of schools have found ways to open back up or at least partially open back up, and they've been successful. So we've been able to do it with all of these things. All right. So let's let's continue with the interview. Requirements are. It's so hard with kids not being able to play sports now. A it lot really is. I think about the price. So many of my grandkids and your kids are going to pay for not having had the chance to finish whatever it was. That graduation where you didn't get to walk across the stage. I think they're going through a lot, these kids. So many people. Oh, wow. You really uh, connect with the youth now, huh? Wow. You really connect with the youth. And that's part of the problem is that what we're finding is that um, I think that during the Trump administration, the point was we want to get these kids back to school as fast as possible. Right. That's the whole point. Now we're at the point where it's like we want to put up more government red tape before you can get back. So many people may not know that you were once a pretty good receiver yourself back in the day. I had wild dreams. It wouldn't be present. I oh my goodness. So that this is where it goes. It goes from the back of a teen Vogue magazine questionnaire to let's ask about this. So many people may not know that you were once a pretty good receiver yourself back in the day. I had wild dreams. It wouldn't be present. I thought I could be a flanker back in the <laughs> NFL. <laughs> but as a former receiver, which quarterback would you rather have throw to you? Tom Brady or Mahomes? Oh, my goodness. This is Teen Vogue magazine question hour. Let's go to Bob, who's holding on. Welcome to Overnight America. Ryan? Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, is it possible that they could sue to keep the pipeline going? Because all the time they can go against President Trump and and uh, is there some way that they could go to court and 
reverse it because there just aren't those kind of jobs for the people to to do something else. I don't know. I mean, if they had a contract like in some sort of agreement already signed that said that they would get paid this for this amount of time and, you know, they broke the contract, I guess. If there's no contract and yeah, probably not. It's just like losing any other job. Yeah, that's tough. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Bob. And I don't know what kind of agreement that the workers had if there was some sort of um, agreement time frame. So you you agree if you're going to we're going to move you to South Dakota or whatever, they're going to be working some of these jobs in some of these areas that were in high demand. And now you're laid off and you can't do anything for it. But if your agreement said, well, we're going to have you work here for two years and you were one year of those two years in and then they cut you here. Um, then I think that your contract is something that you could sue them over, right? Your agreement would say that you would be able to make up the rest of that money as long as it's written there. I don't know if they have those sort of agreements, honestly, but most people don't have those type of agreements. So when we come back, a few other things, and we're not going to play any more of the Joe Biden stuff. What quarterback would you rather have throw to you? Ugh. No follow-up questions, no nothing. Give me a break with this stuff, these softballs. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about COVID, and don't forget we're going to be joining our friends up in Canada with John Jang tonight hosting The Shift. That's at 1230 after the weather. It's Overnight America, KMOX. Traffic and weather together every 10 minutes, mornings and afternoons on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Here we are in Overnight America. I wanted to just give you an update on the COVID and the fight for it. And thank goodness we have things like First Lady Jill Biden giving us all kinds of uh, pieces of advice. So here's another uh, hard-hitting PSA for you. Hi there. I'm Jill Biden here at the White House with our two dogs, Champ and Major. For a lot of us during this pandemic, our pets have been such a source of joy and comfort and maybe a bark or two on a video conference. The unconditional love from a dog is one of the most beautiful things on earth, and we owe it to them to keep ourselves healthy. So please keep wearing your masks, even when you're out walking your dog. Right, guys? All right, so they did a PSA. Wear your mask while you're out walking your dog <laughs> outside. <laughs> No, I don't think I will. <laughs> okay, come on now. Even the even the strict areas like Los Angeles said, if you're going to be outside, is if you're exercising, then you don't have to wear a mask. Does it, walking the dog? I would say that counts as exercising. Right, guys. So okay, just so you know, your dog agrees. Hey, you better listen to one of the Joe Biden's dogs, because that one bark indicates that they know policy. Right, guys? Right, guys? Ugh. No, I don't think I'll be wearing that mask when I'm walking my dog. <laughs> Come on now, seriously? I saw this one, too, on Bloomberg News. It said, when will life return to normal? There's two different answers to this. If you're in the United States, they believe seven years. If you're in Canada, they say 10 years. What are you saying that for the next seven years, it's going to be likely that anytime I go anywhere, I'm going to be required to wear a mask, even after we have over 75 percent of people hitting the vaccine. So Bloomberg built a database of covid-19 shots given around the world, 119 doses administered worldwide. U.S. officials say 
that 70% to 85% coverage in the population before things turn back to normal. And they believe 75% with the two dose vaccine as the target would be seven years, according to Bloomberg. Now, CBS News says one year that we hit that uh, immunity. I don't know. Vaccine rollout watch, how nations rank by doses administered. Here's the uh, top countries that have been doing pretty well. Israel uh, is number one. The UK is number four. The US is number six. Denmark at nine. Iceland at 10. Ireland, Romania, Slovenia. Spain is at 14. Poland, Italy. Uh, Italy. Uh, and if you go all the way down the list, it did it. Number 34, Canada. That's why they think Canada is going to take longer because they're having a harder time getting that out there. Not to say that the United States is at peak efficiency at the moment. They're really not. But it also makes you wonder, too, how accurate that will be. And is that going to just be used as a way to try to, well, it's probably safe for you to continue to wear it anyway. It's a great time to have terrible teeth, you know, if you don't uh, find yourself, if you're thinking about, oh, I, I should probably go get that tooth fixed. Uh, maybe you just keep wearing a mask and you can push that back a few years. Maybe not. <laughs> if it hurts, then don't do it. But you think people won't think that way? Oh, that's fine. I'll just I'll just hold off on it. I don't need those dentures. That root canal, get out of here. Don't need it. I'll just wear a mask. One other thing I saw that Governor Parson was giving some quotes and was asked the question, um, do you believe people overstep their boundaries? Now, I think when he hears that, he may be thinking specifically of, oh, I don't know, Sam Page in the county. I can only speculate, but his answer is, yes, I do. Do I think we should revisit those issues of how we conduct ourselves and how we do that? Most certainly. Says, I think we bring everything back to the table to reevaluate to see what really happened because there's no question that people overstep their boundaries on the local lev levels with the health care issues. So you're saying arbitrarily, without any real evidence that it would help, that closing restaurants in the county, that might be an overstepping of the bounds? Oh, probably. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because we saw that the restaurant restrictions, not so much in the city or St. Charles, but they were doing OK with that. And they realized that when you look at the data, the spread inside of dining indoors at restaurants is low and doesn't really warrant closing indoor dining. Good for them to point that out. I think it's. uh Something that most people need to realize is that even if you do look at those numbers, you can justify that the restrictions are an overreach like they did in the county. And a lot of people upset, you know, closing everything that they closed down selectively here and there. Kind of a uh, joke. So good for Governor Parsons. I think he needs to realize that we got ourselves a problem over here. Go ahead and call it out as you see it. That'll be OK. Call, I mean, call him first. Sure. Talk to him. Give them the uh, give them the business and say, all right, this is what I'm going to give a specific example and it'll be you. So when we come back, our friends in Canada, looking forward to joining them and we'll get a couple of different uh, thoughts on the Super Bowl and the polar vortexes on Overnight America KMOX. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Yeah, it's going to feel good when we get Cardinal baseball back on the radio. 
Well, this is fun. Every Sunday night, we get to hook up with our friends in Canada. And normally, it's Shane. He is off tonight. And I think the next couple of Sundays, joining us just in a couple of seconds, is John Jang in for the shift. They may even be listening to us right now. Guess we'll What's find going out. on, Ryan? Yes, hello. Oh, good to hear from you. How are you? I'm doing all right. And indeed, uh, we gave Shane the, the night off. He's been working super hard over the past, uh, I guess, month and a bit here to start 2021. So here I am. I'm the fill-in guy. And it's a very nice pleasure to be connecting with you for the first time. Thanks. So do you guys get into the Super Bowl in Canada? Is it like a big spectacle? It is, because, of course, by association, anytime something big happens in the, in the United States, uh, Canada and Canadians, we love to get involved as well. So anytime the Super Bowl is here, um, it, it, you know, it's, it's the biggest television event, not just in the United States, but in all of North America. So I couldn't help but uh, just be stuck in front of my TV all day watching out the, the game and, and how it unfolds. And I know you're based in Missouri, so uh, chances are your local listeners there are not too pleased with how it went. But, uh, you know, for me, it was it was a decent enough game i would say that yeah i think that a lot of the listeners in st louis were just so soured on the nfl after the whole rams ordeal right and they're just waiting for the retribution to happen with the lawsuit that's going on so i think that they stripped the nfl and the rams and everything off their walls and the businesses they said no uh i don't even know if you go into a discount bargain bin if you can find anything rams related because they (laughs) tossed it they didn't donate it and that's part of the thing well kansas city side I think people like that it's, you know, the state's team, but they're just Mm -hmm. so burnt by what happened before. They may be apathetic to it all, but they did root for him just because of the proximity. I, I, I think I understand that because, uh, you know, I, I've been a football fan for a while. I used to work in sports radio for a little bit, so I'm quite familiar with the situation there, especially with the St. Louis Rams and ownership, Stan Kroenke basically just stealing the team and, and you know, going to L.A. I mean, that's not great. And as a Vancouverite, um, you know, just adding my NBA connection here with the Vancouver Grizzlies, who had a very similar situation, uh, and them now being in Memphis, there's still lots of Grizzlies fans around here in Vancouver who have not forgotten that the NBA once used to call Vancouver one of its teams and that uh, you almost had a chance to actually draft Steve Nash, a Canadian kid in a Canadian team. That didn't happen. And who knows, maybe if things hadn't worked out a little bit differently, the NBA would still be here in Vancouver. But I do understand and I'm sympathetic with St. Louis sports fans who feel like they've been cheated. I can understand that 100%. Yeah, you know, St. Louis used to have a professional basketball team before that merger with the NBA. Was it the Mm -hmm. ABA, the American Basketball Association? So, you know, we had the uh, team here that was pretty popular, and the person that came in to call those games was someone that worked for KMOX and was hired in to do it, was now famous Bob Costas. Oh, right on. And later goes on to do many great things with NBC and still has a great history here with the the radio station. Much love for uh, St. Louis and such. And I, they've always rumored, they said, well, what would it take to bring an NBA team back here? They always rumor. And this is one of the rumors that flew around originally when there was that lawsuit with the NFL. They said, if it goes to discovery and they have to open up the books to avoid embarrassment, they may just throw us a bone and move a team here. So they're, but (laughs) then the XFL got popular at least for just a tiny bit before COVID and it was doing great here. People loved it in St. Louis. So it goes to show that they would go see football if there was something that they could cheer for. 
I can understand that. I, I was excited about not just the XFL, but the AAF, which also had a very short lifespan. And who knows? Uh, I, from what I last heard, like Vince McMahon is dead set on bringing the XFL back, I think, in 2023, maybe 2022. So fingers crossed, maybe there is uh, professional football again in the future for uh, St. Louis sports fans. But, you know, just coming off that Super Bowl, Ryan, it's, it's so fascinating to see how it has become such a must-see event in the United States. And maybe we have to understand the position of the NFL, and football for that matter. And with respect to baseball, which has earned a reputation as being America's pastime, there's no sports league in America that's bigger than the NFL. And there's really no sport that's bigger than football. But here in Canada, you know, I'm sure you understand the stereotype. Us Canadians, we love hockey. We love the NHL. But when the Stanley Cup final is on, there is... No chance we handle the Stanley Cup final in anywhere near the the size, the capacity, uh, the way that the United States handles the Super Bowl. It is massive. It is the single greatest sporting and, and television event of the year. And yet when the Stanley Cup final comes on, I mean, unless... It, by chance, two Canadian teams are in the Stanley Cup final, which hasn't happened in such a long time, uh, then, you know, it, it doesn't really carry the same traction. And I wonder if that has to do with the, the population size and the difference between the United States and Canada, or just maybe culturally how the two nations and the two populations are designed to take in sports. I'm going to look. Uh, when was the last time there was a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup final? Well, for, for any see. Canadian team? Let's see. Yeah, let's see. Montreal Canadiens in 93. Has it been that long? I haven't won a cup since 93. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I love hockey. I mean, I grew up watching hockey. I, I grew up in Detroit, which was also nice because we had the CBC in Detroit. So I was able to watch like Molson Hockey Night in Canada and all the, you know, Friday and Saturday night games right. with limited commercials, which was great. So if there was some sort of like local game and you can flip it over and watch one of the late games that are playing, on the CBC. That was always cool. I always liked the interviews and things that they did. Um, so I always had fun and I was fortunate enough to have that as a local channel growing up, but I don't think anyone here in St. Louis had the CBC, nor would they go out of their way to get it. But man, it was a fun presentation for it all. And I kind of yearned for that, the, the watch the different Canadian ways of how they get so excited over their, their hockey. I miss that. I, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting because we have like Saturday nights or hockey night in Canada and uh, growing up, um, you know, certainly I was kind of trained to just make sure you don't plan anything too big or too special on a Saturday night because that's when Canadians like to sit around the TV. It's a family event. You can watch it with friends. You can watch it at the bar. Everyone's kind of watching your local favorite team. And yet with the NFL, again, there's um, not just the Sundays and the Sunday night games, but there's Monday night football. There is Thursday night football, which isn't the most popular, but it's there and it still draws so many viewers. And then you come to what we just had, which was Super Bowl Sunday. And it, it's, it's not just the game, right? It becomes an entire event. Uh, we had, I mean, I had read uh, earlier this weekend that what 1.4 billion chicken wings will be consumed across the country in the United States mm -hmm. uh, in preparation for the Super Bowl. And so it, it becomes this thing of tradition and this thing that just becomes larger than just a sports event. It becomes, I don't know, like, like, like an actual event. And uh, there's no way any other sports event that I can really think of, um, you know, with, with Canadians in mind, with the Stanley Cup and the NHL and anything else, really, that comes remotely close to the Super Bowl. It is fascinating to see how this business, the NFL, has managed to do this in, in, in honestly, quite a short bit of time. 
yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how the markets break down and how much right. people uh, actually consumed it and watched it this year. I didn't watch a minute of it. I mean, I didn't have the TV on at all. I had no interest, and it's been a long time since I've cared about the NFL. Least I would uh, like last year. I at least watched the halftime show because I thought, well, people are going to talk about this, so I should probably <laughs> watch it. But then again, that was because I was at the radio station studios last year, and it was on here when I'm right. working from home. I didn't, re- you know, it's not like I'm monitoring it just to to see, and I wasn't going to just sit there and wait for it. So I just skipped it all together, and I thought I can catch highlights on the computer or something. But here in St. Louis, I mean, even when the Rams were here, you're not going to find people um any more excited for that than you would the cardinals i mean cardinals are easily the number one team in st louis and as of late with hockey and the blues have been doing so well you know winning a stanley cup a couple of summers ago that was such a big deal and so cool to see that has kind of reignited the uh, blues fan base because for the longest time they were always like there but they never really got to the big opportunity and finally they did and man what a special season that was because they went from like last place to stanley cup champions it's just really amazing yeah that that story was truly captivating Uh, the last place team and then basically you flip the calendar and they became absolutely scorching red hot and then the song gloria became famous in fact that's the theme song we have for you and we connect here on sunday night so it's just it's iconic now to not just the not just st louis but maybe uh the state of missouri when it comes to hockey as a whole Uh, but it's interesting you know uh, i did watch the super bowl you know i i I did like i said i enjoyed parts and bits of the game i had i had wager down so i was just mostly curious to see how that would (laughs) fair out i did win money i'll I'll put that in mind uh but it's interesting because here in canada no matter where you are uh in this in this part of the country you aren't allowed to have fans at any sporting event it doesn't matter if it's professional it doesn't matter if it's uh, minor league or beer league or whatever it is you can't have fans at any sporting event and yet the super bowl we had heard twenty-two thousand were in tampa for the super bowl it looked like more than that it's fascinating though how different those rules are and and the whole COVID-19 situation still hasn't been uh, treated yet. We, we, need, we know vaccine rollouts, they've been delayed here in Canada. It's a complicated issue. It, the prime minister is facing a lot of uh, pressure and public scrutiny for that. So it's kind of perplexing just putting those two parallels together. Neighboring countries with totally different approaches to how to handle large crowds during sporting events or any event for that matter during COVID-19. Yeah, I meant to look this up because I wasn't sure if the NFL moved the Super Bowl to Tampa because of their restrictions are a little bit more lenient in Florida. Um, but I don't know if that was the case, if that was just naturally happened, because I looked mm-hmm. up uh, next year. It's in Los Angeles and California has some of the strictest restrictions. So I thought, well, that's going to be tough if, if this time next year and there's still major restrictions, how that's going to play out. But then again, I thought, OK, in Los Angeles, if no one is allowed to go there because of the restrictions in the state, and it hurts Stan Kroenke, I'm okay with that. (laughs) No problem whatsoever. Let them lose money on the Super Bowl. That would be fine with me. But uh, you mentioned sports betting. Is that something you can legally do in Canada? Um, Is that just uh, well accepted? Uh, It it depends, because right now, as it is, there's a bit of an archaic law, so it prevents you from doing any single-event sports betting. So if you want to do sports betting, you need to parlay it. So if, for example, going into the game tonight, if uh, one of us decided, hey, we're going to make a bet, I just want to know if the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win. If so, I'll I'll put $50 down. I, I feel like that's a good bet. Well, that alone is illegal. 
But if you parlayed it with, say, oh, I think the St. Louis Blues are going to win their next hockey game, all of a sudden that's legal. So it's it's a hmm. very strange, outdated rule. But there's currently some pressure on the federal government in Canada to get that changed because it seems bizarre that it's still illegal like this. Uh, I think originally when they made this rule and they made this law, they were sensitive to match fixing. But anyone that's looking at any of the pro sports now, there's no match fixing. Like it's it's the farthest thing to be worrying about. Players on you know steroids and things of that nature. Sure, there's a bit of concern there, but match fixing it's like the last concern I have when it comes to any pro sporting event. Yeah, I kind of remember that now. In my younger days, growing up in Detroit, you used to be able to go over the bridge to Windsor. And at the age of 19, you can get into the casinos and things. So um, this is back before September 11th and you needed passports and all this stuff to cross the border. You can just be able to go over with a driver's license. They wouldn't ask you two questions about it to hop over on the bridge or the tunnel. <laughs> and, you know, when you're 19 and you're like, OK, this might be fun. We'll just drive over to Canada. It reminded me because you'd have to do the parlay betting if you're doing something like that over there. I do That's remember right. that now. Yeah. Different uh, times, though. But it's amazing that they still do that. You know, I saw on Twitter, you guys were trending. It says Canadians versus Polar Vortex. Are you guys getting some blasts right now across the uh, country? Yeah, it depends where you are. Our producer, Ryan, is currently bundled up with uh, two or three different layers of blankets. It's, uh, I mean, you know, we deal in, in Celsius. I couldn't tell you what the Fahrenheit is, but it's it's uh, 30 below freezing. And again, I don't know what the uh -huh. Fahrenheit translation is. Maybe Ryan can quickly Google that. Minus 30 but, uh, C. Two, okay, let's take a look. Yeah. It is uh, 22 below in Fahrenheit. Yeah. Okay, there you go. So 22 below Fahrenheit. Uh, it is just mind-bogglingly cold in certain parts of the country. Here in Vancouver, I'm like I'm on the West Coast. It never gets too cold. Like we live in a temperate rainforest, so we get a ton of rain, but uh, never a ton of snow or ice. Hmm. Interesting. That's uh, you know the way I'm looking at this right now. 22 below in Fahrenheit would be enough where there would be all kinds of issues, um, like frozen pipes and. Uh, you know, that really our homes in St. Louis are not built for that per se, because mm -hmm. it doesn't ever get that. Now, I've lived in places where it does get that way for like weeks at a time. And it is like Detroit. miserable. Detroit's pretty bad. But, you know, you go further north in Michigan. I've even lived in places like Wisconsin and you get that for like a week. And it's like it changes your complete mindset. It's terrible. I don't know how you guys stay positive when it's like that. The summers are worth it, I think. <laughs> the summers, <laughs> the summers are like worth the, it. Like the, the two or three months where you get some beautiful sunshine, good weather, you have to take advantage when you can because uh, you know the winter is not too far away ever. Look at that. Yeah, but you should see our summers. What a nice way to frame it. Always so optimistic. Can I ask you one <laughs> other quick question real quick? Yeah, um, what do you got? And I, I was wondering about this, and I don't know what part of Canada did you say you're in? Are you You're in Vancouver? Correct, yeah. Okay, so we were, uh, my son and I went over to the Science Center and we went and did the planetarium show where it shows you if you was, if there was no obstructions, no lights, whatever, this is what you'd see tonight in the night sky. But they kind of do this these things about atmospheric things and they were talking mm. about the northern lights. My son being six thought, does that really happen? Is that real? Like, yeah, the northern lights are a thing. You just don't see it here this far south. But if you lived in Canada, you have a much higher chance of seeing it. I'm wondering, is that something you guys would regularly see in Vancouver? Or are you guys still too south for something like that? Uh, maybe just a little bit too south, but uh, you know, if you if you traveled a, a further, a little bit further north to say the Yukon or certain parts of northern British Columbia, northern Alberta, uh, then you definitely do get the chance to see it. And I've got some friends who live up in the Yukon, and uh, during the summer, boy, their Instagram pages are just chock full of the things you're talking about: northern lights, beautiful, like it looks like a National Geographic 
photo montage wow. is basically what it looks like. And so I can tell you, I haven't seen it personally, but I know and, and I've personally, you know, at least witnessed it on Instagram that it does happen to Canadians. Just just kind of depends how far north you are in the country. Yeah, I, I thought it would be like here in the United States every, I don't know, 10 years, you might get snow in Texas and it's like a big deal. Like, oh, you never see snow in Texas. I didn't know if you'd be <laughs> like in Vancouver and like, oh, once 10 years, you know, it comes south enough. Uh, enough for us to see it or if it's a regular occurrence or not. Yeah, I mean, the best thing that I've seen uh, in a night sky that doesn't have to worry about light pollution or anything like that was uh, up in the mountains, uh, just getting a really great shot of the Milky Way. And one time when I was probably driving throughout the province, uh, I, I stopped at like a little truck stop on top of the highway, uh, sorry, on top of the mountain on the highway. And uh, I wanted to take a photo. So I pull out my phone and it's completely dark. I don't really know what's going on, but I say, okay, this probably isn't going to work, but I'm going to take a photo of the night sky just to see if I can take the Milky Way with me. And then in the morning when I eventually got home, I looked at that photo, Ryan, and I realized at that point that it was on selfie mode. So oh, what I no. got, yeah, what I got was a dark, blurry, stupid face of my mug grinning because I thought this was a brilliant idea, and instead I just got the worst surprise ever. So uh, it, oh. it, it, we don't get the northern lights too common, but uh, the Milky lights, uh, sorry, the Milky Way, uh, a bit more common depending again where you are and what time of day, day and what time of year it is. Wow, you're 68 and just got your first smartphone, and you miss an opportunity <laughs> like that. You know, you you hear those stories all the time. It's like, oh, I just wanted to capture this one moment, and you know, there's a thumb or something else along those lines, and you don't realize it till it's way too late. What a bummer! It does happen. It does happen, and I feel it. I'm only 30, so I mean, I digress. I don't know where I'm going to be at 30, 68, but. Uh, Technology and I clearly aren't friends already, so it's not looking great. <laughs> well, John, I got to say, this was fun. Are you going to be doing more Sundays in the future? Yeah, Shane will be back next Sunday, but I'll be here the following Sunday. So a bit of uh, musical chairs, but uh, you and I will have the chance to connect again quite soon. Oh, I really enjoyed that. Thanks for the perspective. It was great talking to you here. You got it, uh, Ryan. Uh, uh, my pleasure. Let's, uh, let's chat again real soon. Woo, great. Thank you. Wow, that was really cool. Okay, that is The Shift up in Canada on the Chorus Radio Network, broadcasting all across Canada and with the signal at KMOX here, broadcasting through many of the great states here in the United States. And John Jang filling in, and sounds like Shane will be in next week, but the shift is in good hands. He was great, fantastic talk show host. It was real fun. Great sports perspective. This was the right week to do it, considering it was the Super Bowl and he's done sports radio. That's perfect. This is Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMOX. Stimulus check time, kind of, maybe, sort of. Well, Janet Yellen getting in and saying, well, she's the U.S. Secretary, uh, Treasury Secretary, saying that Americans earning 60 grand should be getting in on that sweet, sweet stimulus check. It has to go to people and households that do need the money, and those are lower income households. And um, we need to um, make sure that the cutoffs um, are appropriate so that households that are doing really well um, yeah, maybe you've seen their stock portfolios rise and make a lot of income and haven't lost their jobs. Those households shouldn't be getting it. Okay, so not the best when it comes to interviews. <laughs> but Janet Yellen, um, you know, I could live with that. When we talked about the different thresholds, originally 
the Biden administration was pushing for households making over $30,000 would still qualify for stimulus checks. Households making 30 grand. No, 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 no. So uh, here's the quote. Joe Biden is certainly willing to work with members of Congress to define what's fair and he wouldn't want to see a household making 30 grand receive those payments, Yellen said, when, in fact, if I unless I'm mistaken, I thought it was his administration that was OK with that. But now they're char- starting to change some of the tune. I think when it comes to the stimulus checks and what a household can make, the thresholds, if, if you say 60,000 per person, so 120 per household. OK, you can say a household that has an income of 120 is doing pretty well for themselves. Maybe by Midwest standards, if you go to Los Angeles or New York City or Chicago, then you're doing you're doing good. You're not doing like, you know, fantastic. You're not doing you know, if you're living in Joplin and making one hundred and twenty grand, you're doing pretty good. I mean, you're living in one of the top houses out there. Right. So I think that at least if you're saying, okay, let's let's put it at 60 or let's do 120 total for a couple. People can live with that. 300 grand is what you're pushing before? No, uh-uh. That clip, by the way, was from CBS earlier today, the Sunday uh, news show that they do. And I'm getting this from Reuters. But it says, speaking on ABC's This Week, Republican Senator Roger Wicker said he thought the party would be willing to support something like $600 billion to the $700 billion range, not the $2 trillion. Uh, Republicans on Capitol Hill resisted, saying that it would be unnecessarily increasing the national debt following already the $4 trillion that we've put into uh, the bank from Congress last year. Yeah, that hurts. I mean, the opportunity for the United States to continue to, to pay into this right now, there's a double hit because you're going to say we're going to support you on this standpoint on top of not uh, allowing everything to open back up, right? You're, we're going to allow the restrictions in. If not, we're going to encourage more restrictions. So in order to make up for that, we'll just pass more stimulus in the future. Yay! Da, 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 more stimulus. This puts us in a really tough spot. So normally you would need at least 60 votes to put it through. But now since they're doing this whole process about trying to get it into the budget, and uh, the reconciliation process, you only need 50 votes, meaning that uh, nice, early, easy majority and most people would be up for that, adding more to the debt and just letting it ride. And I think that in the next couple of weeks, you'll see that. I don't know how much business is going to be held up in the Senate because of the impeachment trial. This could be something that might take a little time before to do it. Originally, I was hearing expected in like March. So expect some sort of deal in something to get passed in March, maybe not in February, but early March. I mean, they could get it done faster, but who knows? I think they still have to draft where we can see it. It seems like a lot of it's still negotiation mode. Coming up in the next hour, we'll take a look at your local news here. And I also want to talk about what happened with the Supreme Court in California. Good news out there. And an interview from earlier this week, if you missed it, coming up on Overnight America KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 right. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 